So all this month we're doing So Many Sweethearts, which is our mm-hmm. little romance Valentine's theme. I believe last week was Valentine's Day, but the love continues through the month, right? Uh, last week we talked about Her, which was my pick. Ah, I did it again. Hearts hearts on screen for the YouTube audience. I don't know how to do that. I can't either. It doesn't work for me. Yeah. We tried. I have the power. I have the power. <laughs> it happens. But yeah, not the singer her, but no. the movie her. No. Yes, this is the the movie her we talked about last week. Uh go back and watch that on our channel or in your podcast app if you'd like. Uh but this week oh, oh and we also have done Return to Me, which was a movie from two thousand starring David Duchovny and Nanny Driver. It was another fun one that um was kinda new to all of us, so that was pretty pretty interesting go back and check that out um yeah, it's a good show we've got today's movie which is when harry met sally which we'll get into very shortly but we also are going to wrap up the month with our fan pick and we've got a bunch of suggestions from you guys uh david you want to read some of those off just let let them know what they're going to be able to vote on yeah yeah so uh you'll find out the full list when we put it up for vote but uh just to throw some out there we got some from threads we got some from uh from garrett got some person on facebook um, so we have a couple of like old school classics like Bringing Up Baby and The Roman Holiday as well as The Philadelphia Story. We've got some newer uh, newer films like Happy Anniversary uh, as well as uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Mm. Uh, Moonstruck starring Cher. I'm kind of like low-key, kind of rooting for Moonstruck myself. <laughs> um, but also, you know, some classics of the genre. You're Sleepless in Seattle. You're You've Got Mail. You're 13 Going on 30. Uh, Always Be My Maybe. P.S. I Love You mm-hmm. uh, is also in there. Fever mm-hmm. Pitch, the movie that won the Red Sox, the World Series. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Crazy Rich Asians, which I saw last year. Not too bad. So I wouldn't mind revisiting that. Uh, and also While You Were Sleeping, which is kind of like a cra- I've seen that one too recently. That is a wild premise for a movie. Um, so uh, very much in the vein of Return to Me, but like I think does the thing a little bit more. <laughs> like does like the... the Whereas Return to Me had like, oh, it's his wife's heart transplant. This is like, oh no, this gets really awkward. <laughs> the 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 situation gets very stressful. Anyway, hmm. so we'll have way more uh, uh, than that, and we'll be putting up a votes on that on our social media. Uh, at the very least, threads and Instagram, probably Facebook as well. Yeah, yeah, go check those out at So Many Sequels Pod on uh, Instagram, Threads, and Facebook and TikTok. Uh, we're on all of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, this week we're going to talk about When Harry Met Sally, a modern classic of the rom-coms from the 80s. I was going to say the year, but then I realized I didn't know it. <laughs> What's Maybe the year? Maybe less modern. 1989. Going to get into that here in just a second. But David, why don't you tell us a little bit about the box office history of When Harry Met Sally? Well, when Harry Met Sally, it opened uh, July 14th, 1989. Uh, it would get its wide release a week later. Its first weekend, it only opened in 41 theaters to $1 million. That was good enough for the number uh, 14 spot, um, which what, an amazing, an amazing list of films, by the way. I might read all, all 13 that are ahead of it, because at number one, you have Lethal Weapon 2 that weekend, followed by Batman, followed by Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, followed by License to Kill, followed by a 1989 re-release of Peter Pan, Disney's Peter Pan, 
followed by Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, followed by Ghostbusters 2, followed by Dead Poet Society, followed by Weekend at Barney's. Like, this was a stacked year. 89 was an incredible Do the right thing. The Karate Kid, Field of Dreams was just ahead of it. So anyway, during its wide release a week later, the movie actually jumped all the way up to the number three spot with 8.8 million. Um, which was still good enough to finish number three behind Batman and Lethal Weapon 2. Um, also, that weekend, UHF came out. You guys, uh, we have a little personal history of that. We met Weird Al when he came to Roger State to talk a little bit about UHF. Twinkie so, Wiener Sandwich Man, go eat one. So, uh, anyway, it would go on. It would it would stay in wide release uh, for, the most, for pretty much the rest of its run. Uh, it was in theaters for quite a while and ended up finishing with $92 million in the U.S., um, during its domestic run. No overseas release. you got to remember, overseas releases weren't common until about midway through the 90s. It was kind of Titanic that really sparked that um, particular um, craze of the international release. Uh, for the year of 1989, your number one film of the year, uh, as you might expect, was Batman, as previously mentioned. And uh, coming in just behind it, was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Lethal Weapon 2, Look Who's Talking. And then, yeah, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Um, we've done a few movies in 1989 before. We did uh, Back to the Future Part 2, one of our first podcasts. I wasn't there for that, but one of our first podcasts. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which was my first podcast uh, on the so many sequels. And then uh, the last time we were in 1989 was for National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, a few so many Santas ago. So nice to be back in the 80s. It is, isn't it? Uh, and that's all I got. I was also uh, originated in 1989, oh, so that's special connection yeah. to me. All right, let's get into it. Let's get into When Harry Met Sally, which Letterboxd describes as, Can two friends sleep together and still love each other in the morning? During their travel from Chicago to New York, Harry and Sally debate whether or not sex ruins a friendship between a man and a woman. Eleven years later, and they're still no closer to finding the answer. This movie stars a, a, a just an all-star cast, in my opinion. Billy Crystal, Meg Ryan, Carrie Fisher. David, you picked this movie for this week. I did. Tell us why. Um, by threat of violence. Um, no. <laughs> my, that gets the job done. <laughs> my wife loves Harry when Harry met Sally. That's a first off. So... Um, she was, she was, cha- she was campaigning for that the last time we did so many sweethearts back in February, uh, 2022, I think. And, um, and you went with the classic ghost to girlfriend's past or whatever I did. you call that. What, I mean, that's cause I was relying on you guys for the, you know, the, to, to bring in the, uh, classics and, uh, it was a bad, <laughs> it was a bad move. We watched ghost to girlfriend's past, not a good move, but this time. Made the right call. Wife was very happy to watch When Harry Met Sally. Um, I had seen it once before, probably five, six, seven, eight years ago, somewhere in that time frame. And uh, I remember at the time feeling like it was a lot longer, but I was actually really impressed by how much it, I don't want to say fully held up, because I think that in a lot of ways it has kind of dated ideas, but it has it still was entertaining it was still funny it was still um it was still an interesting conversation starter for a lot of things that they talk about in the movie just to have with your wife or with a friend so i think it's a really fun movie i think it's a really good movie and i think it was a good one to pick for something like this i think most people rank it high on their top tens you know rom-coms of all time so 
you know, I was really excited to, to check it out and uh, see what you guys thought. Had you guys seen it before? Yeah, why don't you go? I had not seen it before. This is my first oh. viewing of the classic When Harry Met Sally. Again, uh, growing up, the rom-com genre was not one that I was interested in because those were for girls <laughs> and boys didn't watch it. Uh, and I missed out on so many good movies. Because, yes, uh, David, this was a good pick and I see why many people say that it is a classic Um and for me, this definitely wasn't exactly what I was expecting. Um, and I think that is because the, I don't really know, I, I'm, I'm formulating this as I say it, so work with me here. But it is one of those things where it feels like what a rom-com is has become so satirical that this movie I expected to be the one that kicked that off and to go through and watch it have and be a movie of substance with thought and character and not just be a movie of the memes. Um, it was really good and refreshing to watch. So it kind of threw me for a loop in a really nice way. There you go. There you go, Josh. All right. All right. Excellent. Um, yeah, I have seen, I had seen when Harry met Sally before, um, a, f- a couple times at least. It's not. It's not one that's in my. It's heavy in my rotation a lot, but I've seen it. Uh, and look, it's a great movie. Uh, you know, I, we could sit here and try to be like, well, let's examine. We could, but it's a. It's a good movie at the end of the day. Like it just is. Um, and because it is like it went the. Garrett, when you talk about you were afraid that it might be like the originator of of the what rom coms have become, a meme factory. It's like this is what happens when that goes right. Like the like the original was good, and then we devolved into satire versus just kind of like starting with something that was just kind of stupid popular. This movie is really good and well written, well acted, well directed. Um, I think it's I think it's great. I'm excited to to talk about it in more detail. Um, you know, it explores this. I I really love that it explores this age old question of can men and women be friends? Uh, that's a such to call it a common trope isn't even like doing that justice. It's the trope um, that you'll ruin the friendship or whatever, and it can't happen and or someone's always interested more than the other. Like, it's it's the age-old rom-com setup to me. So that... But they handle it so well in here. I love that we see them go through eras of their life and how they interact. I don't know. There's a lot to like about it. Yeah, well, let's just uh, launch in first with the the story itself about this yeah. couple that, uh, you know, they meet sort of in a happenstance scenario. They are... Uh, they're both going to New York, and so as sort of a rideshare and nineteen seventies era rideshare scheme, they travel together, and they you know they interact on the drive, and you these two characters kind of don't they kind of clash a little bit, uh, you know we, we can do this a little bit while talking about the characters as well, but you know Harry he's your classic know it all I just graduated from from college I'm twenty three years old and I understand the full human experience kind of person. And meanwhile, you have a Meg Ryan Sally character who's a little bit more 
reserved, a little bit more willing to, you know, accept that, you know, people have, you know, like there's a positive spin on things. And there's a clash there between those two uh, on a lot of different subjects. But there is an undoubtable, uh, an indistinguishable chemistry. They they seem to feed off of each other's energy, both good and bad. So um, that grows over the years. And it's a movie that takes place over the course of 12 years. Like that's a aspect that I don't think is highlighted often when people think about the movie. They think about just the ending or the last few the last few scenes, but it starts it starts in 1977 and it ends in 1989. So um, that's really cool. And I and uh, so what did you guys think about the the story and the characters? I really appreciated them both. I mean, um, Josh, I think that you said something about um, Harry being a catch at any point in time in this movie, and I disagree with you because he was not a catch at the beginning of this movie. He was a dick. The only thing um, I can say to that is it, you were in particular referencing, I believe, that ass. Well, fair, fair enough. <laughs> to which I said, he's a catch in every era. When he turns, well, when okay, he when he reaches enough. into the back seat and it's just full moon, <laughs> you know, it was like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of course he's, yeah, he's definitely he's more dickish man. in the beginning when he is oh, yeah. that smarmy college guy. Fresh out of college Yeah, guy. but that's, again, I think I think that we can see, you know, again, we've done, this is our third movie of our So Many Sweethearts, and, and one of the things that has been a, a through line, I think, for me this year, is I think we've done a good move, a good job of picking movies that focus on the characters. It's not just about the love story it's not about them falling in love it's not about them finding the one mm-hmm. each character has their own focused and thought out journey that leads them to something and or someone mm-hmm. um, and i think that this movie again does a really good job of that you see them at the be- at the end of college where um, neither one of them have lived but they both think they have and they have you're right they have such different outlooks on life and as they go through both of them go through highs and lows and they have these lived experiences and at, and at these just seemingly random moments they run into these strangers who they are kind of connected with and they're the most honest with those strangers because they have that kind, they have enough familiarity with each other and they're comfortable enough and and that means something and so you see that just honesty be able to connect them over time in these random moments and grow from there. And it was, it was really cool. I really appreciated the, the storytelling that they put into it. Yeah, I can't disagree with any of that. Um, you know, when it comes to the characters, I really love watching their evolution. I, I in, particular, in particularly love how they evolve within the framework of the friend relationship question you know it's it's harry who is adamant that a man and woman cannot be friends without sex ruining it or or one of them wanting to ruin it and and sally is the one who's like no i think that's crazy yada yada um when harry gets engaged though he's like well you can be friends if one of them's married he starts to open up to this idea right Mm mm-hmm so I, I really like that move. Yeah. <laughs> I like seeing that evolution of the characters throughout it, too. Um, it, it It is more of a story about them than 
the romance. You're right. Mm. It, it's just way more fun that way. This movie also, though, has something I really enjoy, which is obviously any good rom-com has to have a wingman. But I feel this one has dual wingmans yes. in uh, Carrie Fisher and uh, her husband, uh, who are Bruno basically Kirby. rooting. Yeah. Yes, who are basically both rooting for this to happen in tandem next to each other, while yeah. the other two don't know it for the most yeah. part. Well, they're 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 getting together as blind dates for the opposite for Harry and for Sally right. and then them just those relationships not clicking but then somehow like just wh- they click with each other it's such a you, you, I don't know why but when it happens even though I've seen it before I was like I was like oh yeah yeah this should happen this should happen these <laughs> two should be the one these two should definitely get together and uh and I love to this I didn't mean to break out with this scene but when they're talking and she's like hey you know Harry's been through a lot so just don't call him tonight like you know like she's already saying like you know like look i get it you don't like the other guy you know it's whatever and bruno's the same thing oh, i'm not gonna call it tonight. don't worry about it and then they walk over and he goes well i'm gonna get out of here she goes oh i'll go with you it's <laughs> just jump in a cab and they're gone <laughs> it was hilarious um there was so much about this movie that's like that kind of comedic timing and a lot of the other stuff that crystal does in this movie are still hilarious like Particularly when they're at the ball game, I think uh, Garrett, you might have talked, you might have brought this one up too. When they're at the ball game and Billy Crystal's kind of like laying it out, like, "Yeah, she left me." You know, she said she wasn't in love anymore. <laughs> and then they do the wave uh, in the middle why, of it. The, vo- the voice really threw me off. I almost heard some <laughs> Billy in there for a second. I'm working on it. I'm working on it a little <laughs> bit. But see, what I actually liked about that scene for me was because it showed again. I think. I have heard some pushback. I don't know. I haven't, I've done minimal research on this, so fact check me, if you will. Um, that's, there's been pushback from the people involved in this movie calling it a rom-com because they like to explore all of the aspects of relationships, mm-hmm. friendships, male-female friendships. But I think that football scene did a good job of showing like a healthy, positive male friendship because I, I think that there's a, there's another scene in this movie where um, Sally is telling Harry that he has to learn when he needs to control his emotions. And men really struggle with their emotions. They feel big feelings and they either suppress them until they just blow up or they just blow up whenever they feel big feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, they mm-hmm. don't know how to contain themselves sometimes. And so seeing this relationship between two guys being able to fully express this thing that they're going through at a football game Mm -hmm. where the importance isn't necessarily the football game. It is they're both like having a conversation. Yeah, they're doing the wave and stuff. And that's humorous because but like he's listening. They're talking to each Mm -hmm. other. They're having a heartfelt conversation. And that's just that was just nice for me to see because you don't see that very often in in a regular rom-com. His male friend would be like, oh, man, he's ruining the game, and I don't know what to say to him. Yeah. But no, this, he was, like, helping and trying to get him through and being there, and that was nice to see. Yeah, like, they were, it was very, like, it was a good friend situation, you know? Yeah, you're right. I think in a modern, in a, rom- in a rom-com today or even in other movies, there would have been that, like, 
oh gosh, we've got to get away from from Harry, man. He just keeps, he's such a downer. And then, you know, there is a little bit of that when that the batting cages and he's like, so you like her, right? And she's attractive, right? What's the, why aren't you with her? Like, what, what's, uh, you know, what's holding you back here? Like, there's a little bit of that, but it's coming from a place of like genuine curiosity of like, like you're talking about how you want to be with someone and there's a woman that you, that you like and are attracted to and she likes you. Why aren't you going for that? You know, like it's a, it's coming from a place of genuine uh, uh, friendship, I think, even in that scenario. Um, I think you're right. I think that the the character dynamics between all the characters, like Carrie Fisher's character is hilarious, and she also, like, she wants what's best for Sally, but, you know, she's, she's, the, she's, she's her own character. She's not just, like, Sally's friend. She has her own thing, and when she and Kirby get together, like, they work. Like, it's for whatever reason, it works, um, in my opinion. Uh, what about, uh, were there any other, uh, uh, scenes or character moments stood out to you guys? Well, look, there's one, there, there's one scene we got to talk about because it's the classic scene, which is, you know, I'll have what she's having. Yes. Uh, to this day, I like turned it down in my apartment and I'm in here alone. <laughs> I was like, I can't have this play. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. so in your face <laughs> yeah yeah but it's hilarious um, just, it's classic for a reason it's a classic you know and the scene wasn't even really uh, as far as i understand in the script as it was they were going to be at this diner they were going to be or this delicatessen they were going to be talking and they just started talking about like what if we were talking about fake orgasms and then like nora efron's working with billy crystal talking about it, and then meg bring meg ryan in and they're like talking about it and meg goes apparently meg ryan said well, what if i just did one what if i just did a fake one hang on one second you know and i think that scene was set up well enough yeah. because there had been a situation earlier where they were in a restaurant or something and she blurted out you know i can't remember exactly what she said but it was in regard to um some kind of sex thing right uh I've had great sex or something like that. Right. And she just blurted it out. And that was that that first meeting. And so it was really a fun moment to show how they've grown. She looked like she was so embarrassed whenever that happened. And then she was brave enough to just sit down and make herself kind of act a fool and show and, and also prove a point at the same time. And so I think it was, again, uh, a, a, bit, a better scene than what the memes make it to be. It was. Oh, sure. It's so funny. You know, there's a lot of, of improv moments in that, in, in this movie, beyond just that. I One that I really enjoy is the scene where they're playing Pictionary together. Mm-hmm. The, most of that, from my understanding, most of that was improvised. Uh, they were just playing it. Uh, and it it's so funny because they you still see the chemistry there even through the improv, which is just great. Um, I, again, he makes some kind of snarky comment about the drawing. He's like, "Oh yeah, it's a baby," <laughs> and it's like it's so. Sarcastic, yeah, he says, but... uh, "Well, because he says something like, um, uh, he says something like baby mouth, baby mouth board, baby or something. fish mouth, I can't baby fish what, mouth, baby fish mouth." And and he goes, "Baby talk, what kind of word is that?" And Billy Crystal goes, "Oh, but baby fish mouth, this is what we know, you know, something like that." And <laughs> the it's it's just like yes exactly it's like it's a moment that like for me it got a genuine laugh like there's a little bit of improv it's just like 
even though uh, if you look at some of the, the background details, so much of this is based on Rob Reiner's actual, maybe not actual life, but a lot of his experiences, right? right. And Billy Crystal talked about that he didn't even realize during his friendship with Rob Reiner, um, because uh, this movie this this movie pro- project started in like 1984. So between then, like Rob Reiner did Stand by Me, and he did a Princess Bride, and or the Princess Bride, and then so like over that time, he and Billy Crystal becoming friends. And Billy Crystal talked about like he didn't realize, but like he was doing research on this for this character for years just by being Rob's friend. But so much of it is is that, and then just Crystal's delivery pouring through it um, that like. I don't know what it is. It's just like Harry's such a funny character. Um, even when he's like depressed, even when he's bored, uh, he just has a funny thing going about him. I even like, you know, there's a part where he's talking about uh, when they meet at the airport and they're on the plane. Uh, he has this very, I'm going to, I'm going to say it's very Seinfeld esque, a uh, little diatribe that he does. Um, obviously it's Billy Crystal esque because Billy Crystal and Rob Reiner probably came up with it, but he has a little bit about, you know, oh, we never take, you know, never take someone to the movie, to, to the airport on the first, you know, that's when you do an early interesting because later you end up saying, why do you never take me to the airport anymore? And I was just like, that is a Seinfeld bit. Like, I can just, uh, I can just hear it in the top of my head. Anyway, uh, like you said, the improv, the, the writing, though, is solid throughout. So, like, it lends to those moments where when you have a little bit of improv, it just, it doesn't, almost doesn't feel like, it, it just feels natural. Yeah, this movie was. Did anybody guess that it was Baby Talk? Because I did. I guessed it almost uh, no, immediately. I was like, Baby Talk. Like that. Uh, I was. I would probably would have, but I was too busy giggling to myself uh, at all the different guesses. <laughs> and Sal and, and and Meg Ryan just going crazy with the marker. Yeah. Um, I wanted to add that that this movie was nominated for Best Original Screenplay at the Academy Awards in 1989. Um, it lost to Dead Poet Society, which is a great movie. Mm. So, uh, mm. but yes, the writing is fantastic, and it was nominated for it. So that's awesome. I'd um, like to talk about Rob Reiner a little bit because please. one of the things that I noticed in this movie, and I said it made me feel like people cared about their movie again. Like seeing this movie, it made me feel like people didn't just want it to be green screened, didn't want it to be cheap as cheap can be. And that just mass produced to content fill, right? It it in the mo- in the small moments you could tell that thought went into the scene, thought went into the background characters, and care was taken with each step of the mm-hmm. way, and that was noticed in how it was shot. And I think Rob Reiner is obviously a great director, but he really did deliver something, and I think that he should be appreciated for that. And again. You don't. Sometimes you just don't feel that anymore, especially in some rom coms and, and how they're treated as just cranked out on a cheap mass way. I think um, you're right, and I think this was just really it was a thought project, and I enjoyed seeing it. Um, makes me question again: what is a rom com, and does this fit what we think? Because this leans heavy on the rom, less on the com. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, a ton of credit to Rob Reiner. I think that he's kind of a underrated director um, because, I mean, he his his films are known for having a lot of heart and for having a lot of good character, but also, I think, unsung, or maybe maybe this song, I don't know, maybe I, I need to read more about what people say. He's so good with locations. Like, the, the, the scenes in this movie with, like, the, the, the backdrops that are used for it, uh, you know, these, these, these real-life locations 
are beautiful. You know, whether it's the the autumn, well, the park in the autumn, or whether it's that museum they're in, or uh, you know, it's the the streets of New York. Just everything about this movie feels so like tangible, and uh, and and that's you know, I mean, obviously that's that's going back to another day in Hollywood when you know that's just you you could shoot on location more often you could do that kind of stuff all the time people could shoot in america and not be a a big uh and not and be easy um but yeah he's i mean you look at his other films you look at a princess bride you look at stand by me you look at uh didn't he direct misery you know you look at these films and they have these just great scenic vistas that he's able to able to to make a part of the film you know like new york is a character in this movie yeah yeah, it really is. Um, and, you know, he he does deserve a lot of credit for the movie because despite the screenplay being written by Nora Ephron, uh, he, my understanding is he pitched the concept of, of this idea of, of a man and woman exploring mm-hmm. whether or not they can be friends because of sex. Um, so I do think this was probably – he probably considered this, you know, really, really close to him while he was making it. Um, and there's yeah there's a lot of detail in it you're and just i can only echo what's already been said you know you don't see a lot of real care in a romantic comedy anymore um and when you do they're the ones that stand out you you know more recently your movies like a crazy rich asians which is a movie that stood out as being better than what we think of as the throw throw away rom-com um So he, yeah, it's a it's a great movie. Um, I'm glad I'm glad that you picked it. Yeah, and to add to the to add to the writing comment, Nora Ephron, she did a lot of interviews. She interviewed Rob. She interviewed uh, uh, one of the other producers on it. She interviewed just people who were working in the production company, which led to the other part I want to talk about, which is these little. Uh, I wanted to vignettes. end on that too. Yeah. Um, they're the only thing that I'm not sure of. Oh, really? Mm. I you just like feel like they, it's not that I don't like the interviews. It's that I feel like sometimes they break up the story I'm watching. Well, I think that's what they're supposed to do is break up the story a little bit. I don't to want kinda... it to. <laughs> <laughs> um. And that's just my personal taste. It isn't. I'm not like saying I'm dinging it for it. I'm just like, it's the only thing that I question because it is out of the norm. Yeah. I, I think that, um, it goes to show, I think, yeah, I mean, I just think it was a, it's an interesting idea that I haven't seen. And the only other time I've really seen anything like it is like Bernie, where like it's cut up with, uh, uh, with starring Jack Black, where it's cut up with these interview segments with regular, with regular people. Um, and a lot of these interviews were real interviews that, that Nora Ephron did with people who were on the production staff. Now they recast actors to do the parts, but some of them are just really funny. And I think that they're just moments of sort of like heartfelt levity just kind of mixed in to also serve as these sort of like just you know like you said just just kind of like beats within the story because you're covering these gaps in time you know it's now it's four months later now it's 10 months later and instead of just scene ends 10 years you know and then 10 years later you get this nice little thing in the in the middle and it, it builds to this idea of the overall theme of how people meet and how they fall in love and you know how how relationships start my favorite one is um there's this couple that just keeps talking over each other and they talk about how they grew up he goes we were both born in the same hospital we were uh we grew up 
one block away from each other, you know, and they're like, we, I was the Bronx, I moved, you know, and then we meet in, we go, we both were in Chicago at the same time and we met on an elevator and I just love the ending to it where, um, where he goes, I wrote up nine extra floors just to keep talking to her. And she's like nine extra floors. Like she's like, it's such a sweet grandparently way of, of, of meeting. Like I was on the third floor. I was on the 12th. I wrote up nine extra floors just to hang it, just to talk to her. Uh, I don't know. I, um, if they weren't so well done, I could see what you mean, Josh. If they, if, to me, if they weren't so well done, if like each of those couples didn't like perfectly articulate a different idea of how people can meet, then I would agree with you. Uh, but some of them, they just touch me. I don't know what, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I dug them. Like yeah, it's your first time seeing them. So, would you, yeah, you liked it? Yeah, I thought it was cute. Um, you know, it, if you're looking at it from a story structure perspective, you could argue that it doesn't make sense in, in what it's doing um, because this is not a documentary mm-hmm. or is it, you know, that's kind of the question that it makes you feel. But um, you know, again, I, I, I didn't put too much thought into it. It did feel like a nice little breakup. And sometimes it's nice to just go, Oh, that was cute. Mm-hmm. People, everybody has a, everybody has a love story. Um, and this is ours. Yeah. Right? And Harry and this Sally, is, they do want the very it a little end. more. And, Exactly, yeah. exactly. So I didn't have a problem with it. That, David, the one you mentioned, that also stood out to me. Because the timing, those two actors, wonderful. wonderful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're just all on top of each other. It just kind of it reminded me of a of an acting uh, like uh, game we probably would have done in, uh, in, in college or something. It's just like, uh, tell this, you know, like, here's your lines, but you want to be right on top of each other as you say them. Um, my wife... Arsenic and Old Lace was that way. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. We're just right on top of each other. My wife also likes the one where, um, oh, <clears throat> the man walks across the room and she thinks he's going to walk over to talk to her friend. And she goes, everybody always walked over to talk to my friend. Uh, but he talked to me and he like introduces himself. I can't remember what the name is, but he introduces himself as like, I'm Chuck Armstrong of the Staten Island Armstrongs. And she was like, and that's when I knew. <laughs> I was like. I was like, what? I was like, my wife just loves that. She's like, why? Is, why did that work? Why did that line work of the Coney Island stat or Walt Waldorf's or whatever? Um, so that was pretty funny. Um, but yeah. Anyway, I, I thought those were kind of sweet. It's kind of strange that like of all the things this movie inspired, that wasn't something that really kept up. We haven't really seen people do that. Maybe because it would feel too much like imitating when Harry met Sally. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, I think it would be just because it it is such a abnormal thing for that time for a period that yeah i think it would come across as just blatant copying um all right well i think that's our discussion of when harry met sally yeah let's yeah. go ahead what, and uh, uh, get yeah. into the letterbox game here next and talk about our final uh thoughts on the film all right, yeah, let's get into the letterbox game. Yeah, yeah, drag out your trophy, you big old jerk. You two-timing jerk. Two-time champion David is still trying to defend his trophy for third year. Basically, if you're new to the show, what we're going to do is we are going to take a guess at what we think the letterbox community has rated this movie on average on a zero to five scale. Each of us will guess closest wins. If anyone hits it direct, they get two points. Simple as that. 
but before we get started, while everybody thinks about their guesses, uh, let me take a second to read some of the most popular reviews from When Harry Met Sally on Letterboxd. Starting off hot, four stars, no more Tinder, just Carrie Fisher and her Rolodex picking your ideal mate. And that's a service I'd sign up for. That sounds way better than mm-hmm. Bumble or mm-hmm. Tinder. The Rolodex. Right? Those are the days. Uh, four and a half stars. She has great hair. He has god-awful hair. Simple as that. <laughs> Mystery solved. Uh, Opposites yeah. do attract. And then just two Meg more. Ryan did have great hair in this. Five stars. 1989, Meg Ryan is the most beautiful woman in the world. Billy Crystal is probably mm. part goblin, but I love him too. <laughs> that might Which be is just event. unnecessarily mean, right? <laughs> People being mean to Billy. This is not... Not nice, not cool. No, no. And finally, four and a half stars. My dad muted the fake orgasm scene, but then my mom grabbed the remote and turned the volume back on. What an icon. <laughs> five stars for her mom. Or that five stars mother. for her mom, Speaking yes. For, five Speaking of mothers, I don't know if you guys acknowledged, but that was Rob Reiner's mother who said, I'll have what she Yes, said. yes. She was the one who delivers that line, and I I meant to mention I forgot, but when um, when Estelle Reiner died, the New York Times published an obituary and called that one of the most memorably funny lines in movie history, and that's quite a compliment. She delivers it very well. Um, I wholeheartedly agree too. So, uh, upon hearing those honestly glowing reviews uh, for everyone except Billy Crystal's appearance. <laughs> Um, what are you guys thinking? Where? Who do we start with this week, David? Who's the first guest? Oh, um, well, you guys are in the lead, so you're tied for the lead. So I think I go first. You do. I think we all get to I go think... first for our own movies. I like that. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna guess. I'm just gonna. I, I'm gonna. This is kind of one you don't see very often. I'm gonna guess a three point seven. Okay. Three point seven. It's a good one. That's a good one. Hmm. Are we both tied? Did we both get direct hits, David? You did. Yeah, you both got direct hits for your own films. Oh, are you going to three-peat it? We'll find out. I don't know. That would be amazing. That never happened. It would be honestly impressive if you did. Yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, I don't know. I hate it when when the first one picks a a spot where I can't decide if I want to over or undercut you. Mm Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is where the this is where uh, the boys become men. I'm gonna, or do you want to go first, Garrett? Do you, or you want me to go first? No, go okay, for it, please. I, okay, no, you. I know. I'm just gonna go for gold, and I'm gonna guess it's four point two. Mm. I'm gonna go way up. Man, I feel like I could just sandwich you both and then like land in a spot where we're either tie breaking or uh You good? The world is uh, always somebody's one. You good, I think so. Um My initial thought was like a three point eight. And so I think I'm gonna I, I think I'll stick with that. I think I'm gonna do a three point eight. Three point eight? Okay, okay, so you're gonna Going up uh, just by point one over David. David had three point seven. Mm-hmm. Gary had three point eight. Mm-hmm. I, I went up to four point one. If it's in the fours, I'm going to be happy and angry at the same time. Let's see. Drum roll. Da-da-da-da-da-da. That wasn't. That was more of a trumpet than a drum roll. 
I liked it, though. Change it up. Trumpets are good. A trumpet brigade. Uh, So, we do not have a direct hit this week. I did do math real quick. We do not need a tiebreaker. Um, This movie is an even 4.0, which is going to make me the winner. (laughs) 5.1. Wait, did you guess 4.1? I guessed 4.1. Garrett guessed 3.8. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Josh wins. Well, good for Josh. Sorry, Charlies. Don't you feel proud of yourself? Uh, it won't last. It never has. <laughs> Three years it hasn't lasted. <laughs> I think you may have won the first when back when we did the back when we didn't have game, a trophy were... to prove it. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> oh, so man. Josh wins with hey, Aaron Sally. That's is... one point. That puts Josh in the lead with three points. This is the first year that we've enacted this whole new system. Yeah. You know, we had, we evolved over time last year because David was just running away with it. Oh, running away. It was, it was no contest for a long time. And then it became a pretty close contest towards the end. But, uh, but yeah. Hey, here we go. Three episodes in. Scoreless over here. Uh, Josh has got three. Garrett's got two. So we'll see if it lasts. I, if I remember right, last year, it was around the time we watched 65 that everything went downhill for Josh. Uh, and everybody. Yeah, um, I think you're so. right. I think that was about it. Okay, well, what are our final scores for the movie? We got to have at least one five in here, right? No? Uh, maybe. Uh, I'm going to give it I'm gonna give it four stars myself. Okay. Um, I really like it. Generally speaking, though, it's not really my type of movie. Like, it's not the kind of movie that I'm going to rush back to very often. That said, I think it's about as good as it can be. Um and is it dated at times a little bit but there's still enough charm there's still enough humor the characters are still good enough writing still good enough to really make it a great film so four stars which is in my category is great and if i was just more of a rom-com guy or if there was just something else here that is a little bit speaks more to me then i could go higher i could probably be talked up higher but four stars for me okay ditto ditto on my end Ditto on both your ends. Yeah. Ditto on both your houses. Um, I, I'm going to give it five stars. Um, well, which, there you go. Which you go. I just don't have. I just don't have a case against it for me personally. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it a five. I think two fours and a five is probably pretty close to four and a half on an average scale. Uh, I don't want to do the math. So that's exciting, though. We, we've had. Three good, I think, movies. Varying quality, but good conversations out of all of them, I think. Oh, yeah, It's been a really good month of So Many Sweethearts. Yeah, this is just like uh, Brandon Fraser, where we started off hot. Things are going well. What will be this year's 65? Or will? Well, yeah, it will happen. I was going to say, or will it? It will. (laughs) Yeah, no, it'll never happen. We're going to only good movies here. Only good movies. At So Many Sequels. Except for Reindeer Games. Well, we do have one more movie coming up for So Many Sweethearts, which is going to be the fan pick. We talked about that earlier in the show. We've got a lot of suggestions from you guys. So we're going to put those up on our uh, social media accounts. Be sure to check out our Instagram at So Many Sequels Pod, uh, our Threads account attached to that. Um, look for the, We're going to put some polls out on those probably in the stories. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll add that all together and... We'll pick a winner, and the, the fan pick will be what we review next week. So we're very excited about that. 
And we got more great stuff coming up. You know, the Oscars are next month. So what mm-hmm. what what better time now than any to suggest that maybe we have an an Oscars theme coming up and maybe some listeners should start thinking of potential fan picks that have been nominated for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that more next week, but uh, something to start thinking about. Something to start thinking about. Um, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube if you haven't done that yet. Mm-hmm. You can find, I was going to say every episode, not every episode, but you can find quite a few of our ca- back catalog on our YouTube account. Uh, so many sequels there as well. We're pushing for our next goal of 121 subscribers. We're going to get there. I can feel it in my bones. Yes. Uh, we're chugging along. We're at 112. Really nice. We're so close already. Yeah. We're such a modest bunch. I love it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, and of course, follow us elsewhere. Facebook, TikTok, um, Patreon. If you want to support the show directly, you can join us there and you'll get access to our Discord where you can hang out with us and talk about movies we last weekend we were posting stuff about super bowl trailers we were dropping trailers in there we were dropping posters in there we're dropping Mm -hmm. articles it's good stuff um so again so many sequels on patreon uh that's about it leave us a review on apple Podcasts if you're into that sort of thing and you can find links to all of our past episodes at so many sequels.com we'll see you guys next week